then they were like, okay, we're ready to make a move. We want someone to be here full time and we want you. And I was like, what? And they were like, what would it take to get you to be not freelance, but like really full time? And so like that was really interesting because I had shared like that. be talking with fellow Clark alum, um, someone that I've been trying to get on the podcast for ages, um, Hannah Martin. Hannah is a stylist and food blogger. She is the founder of the Fashion Cookbook. Um, So Hannah, tell us a little bit about you. Hello. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me on. I'm thrilled. Yeah, so um, I have the Fashion Cookbook, which is a lifestyle brand and also consulting company. Um, and I've been doing this for just shy of 10 years. Wow, has it really been that long? High school, yes. High school to now, which has been really interesting to have it progress for the different um, chapters and journeys of my life so far. That's crazy. I mean, I well, like, okay, let's start at the beginning. Like, how did you get started? What was the original intention of the fashion cookbook? Tell me all the things. Yeah, so it was during the time when fashion blogging just came to be, and it hadn't even, it had nowhere surpassed um, traditional media. And I was in high school reading, up, you know, Vogue, Teen Vogue, Seventeen, and seeing these women my age have their own space on the internet to document their developing personal style, um, to have their own voice. Um, and growing up in a small town, I really wanted a larger sense of connection to the fashion industry and to feel like I could create something out of nothing was incredible. And so I started a blog called The Fashion Cookbook, and the inspiration was I wanted to share what I was wearing in a way that felt approachable for inspiring others so making it seem like an outfit recipe so I shared what I was wearing where I bought it what was the like the thought behind it and my whole premise was making fashion accessible and so I did that throughout high school and I mean this was I've since rebuilt the website so you can't really go that far back and see those (laughs) cringe you know um point and shoot camera in my backyard begging my parents take my photo this outfit's <laughs> awesome and then honestly figuring out my style through that lens was mm-hmm. interesting so that I've not, like it wasn't just outfits that I would wear it I would plan it for the blog and then I'd have this larger confidence to then wear it out so I was from a very traditional very small town and so like that was an interesting um, relationship with starting um, to build confidence and empowerment at that level so did you always just grow up loving fashion? Yes. But for me, fashion started more so from a larger creative lens. So I originally, my eye for styling and piecing things together was actually looking at cookbooks of how recipes um, were styled. And I was really put together by that, like that eye of pairing things. Mm-hmm. And then I grew up love, loving acting and for me, fashion wasn't just this, you know, designer aspect. It was being able to be a character and, like, be a different person for a moment and tap into a different energy by what you wore. And what was the moment when, like, you felt like your blog, like, really kind of took off, I guess? Yes. So there was, well, from, I guess there's a couple things that happened. The first one is while in high school, I got inspired because I actually was invited to, at the time, Teen Vogue had a little fashion university for um, people around the United States. Mm-hmm. It was invited. And so, oh, like, that's that so felt cool. Really good. Yeah. And then it was actually in college that Lucky Magazine had a fashion blogger conference. And I had, like, constantly been networking and reaching out to editors. And I don't want to say I had, like, a super impressive blog at the time. But as a person, I was really dedicated and like putting myself out there and I think people resonated at that time 
more so of what the potential I had. And mm-hmm. I was, I mean, it still was a growing market, so there wasn't too much comparison. But I'll say, like, that really got me, like, feeling like, okay. And I took myself more seriously because at the time, I was in L.A. and I, like, I saved money. I fundraised to make that possible. And that level of commitment to making it happen, I really knew I want to, no matter the obstacles and the barriers in this industry, because there are many, I'm willing to do it because I love it this much. And that was very solidifying. Because, like, when did it officially, because I feel like there's that point that it's like, oh, this is, like, yeah. something I love to do. I, you know, I like to blog, da 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 But, like, when did it become a business and what made it a business? Yeah. Ooh, great question. So, Clark alum, you're going to love this. So, it was actually freshman year, I started to get interested in entrepreneur classes. And so, that was mm-hmm. kind of in the back of my mind. And then I had been continuing blogging, but people were seeing me take photos out on the green and in campus. And then on the weekends, like through the grapevine people would hear of me and I'd get a knock on my door and I'd have this random girl I didn't even know say are you the fashion cookbook and they'd pull out two dresses and go I don't know which one to wear and then I'd say I don't know if I choose either come on in and then I'd dress it from my own closet I kid you not and then part of me like that for me was so even if I didn't even go out that night I'd be thrilled because I made someone feel like you know a fairy godmother for a moment um and it was in class that I was able to really figure out, um, well, also understand that, like, for me, blogging makes me money, but also me being able to give my styling expertise um, and larger image consulting, that is, a, especially, I have been studying so much business and communication to be able to tie that in from um, a service um, that was incredible. And that was really the solidified moment. And it was probably in my junior and senior year that that was where I was really putting in that effort and was actually starting to charge people. I was actually, I don't know if you know this, I was styling some professors and then their friends, I'd get in a little network. <laughs> and you know, because they were happy because they were supporting a student, but I was getting great practice. And also, all the time I address a lot of my um, age group, but they're not always the ones with disposable income. Yeah. Um, and so, like, that was really great, too, to kind of get out of my element and really also um, conceptualize who my target audience is. And I'm finding even now that it is segmented and it's kind of this broad range of I want to honestly help women of all ages um, feel empowered and feel seen in this world. No, it's it's true because I think it's I think style is such a big part of especially now um, in like social media era of like your style is so connected. Obviously, it's connected to you, but it's connected to who like follows you and like branding and content and all of those things. Because we've talked about this, how I'm horrible at all of that. But like, it's just, you know, for you to start that so young and in a time when that was kind of like up and coming, because I don't think like we really thought about branding. Even social media, yeah. there was no personal branding. And that was, that was even interesting as it was happening, building, because I had always had a personal Instagram, but I created an Instagram for fashion cookbook and started using my social media more intentionally as a business tool. Mm-hmm. Um, and really being at the forefront was really incredible. And honestly, that more than some of my actual classes have helped me in my career. So I'm an entrepreneur, but I also have worked other full-time jobs in other capacities. And I will say Fashion Cookbook has really helped me in a way that college prepared me, but this really, like, um, truly did prepare me. Yeah, because you're getting that real-world experience and you have to, like, actually interact with other folks and they may not fit the textbook like those examples that you got in class are very structured and they kind of like have their you know the their parameters but like people aren't textbooks and they're not parameters so you have to learn from all of that real world experience and at the time it's funny I didn't even see it that way but looking back of course I see that value um and it's been incredible that it's been with me and evolved through the different stages and that's been really special do you remember, like, or I guess kind of, like, did you ever really set out to kind of make money from, I guess, from the beginning phase, which was, like, more so blogging, obviously, and taking pictures? Like, did you ever set out to make money, or were you just kind of, like, 
I'm going to blog. Like, you know, I'll get my WordPress. Yes. <laughs> so it's been an interesting relationship with it even now because that, I mean, people will laugh and say, like, you're always working, Hannah. But for me, especially in that creative realm, it doesn't feel like work. And in mm-hmm. fact, that's my release. So there's been that interesting relationship between it being both a passion project as well as now a paid entity. Um, when I started blogging, I had no concept of that. It was just to create, to connect with other women, to expand my platform. Um, and then really in college, understanding how I could monetize it. And then it was post-grad that I really found ways to monetize it in a way that made sense and that I could have it scale. And so that is really, I think, the that's when it changed for me. And now it's definitely one of my one of my main focuses but I still work other like right now I'm in another full-time role and it's like I'm working two jobs but (laughs) don't be all but if if one doesn't feel like work and it's interesting because a lot of times like I will do sponsored content but I'll reach out to brands and even if they don't have a budget if I want to help tell their story sometimes I make it work because that I want to do something so authentically mm-hmm. and it, that's been an interesting I think also relationship with monetizing a passion mm-hmm. is sacrificing at sometimes authenticity and so for me it's been this really safe balance of I'm excited for it to become my full-time like you know no other focus yeah. but as of right now I've been able to have a very healthy boundary with it because it's not how I you know, it helps support my lifestyle, but it's not my uh, make or break. And so I'm able to have fun and sometimes do it purely for passion. Well, and then also other times definitely monetize and I have that revenue stream, but I get to have like a fun relationship with it. That's real. Cause you, you touched on something about like authenticity and you and I have talked about this, you know, like off mic. Yeah. <laughs> um, about being authentic and I think that's something that like people so much crave now in social media because I I don't know I've, I'm trying to think about like when I at least because until I started doing like my podcasts and doing a bunch of media stuff and working in media like I didn't really necessarily care about Instagram I didn't know it was like real um I was so surprised about Twitter um <laughs> but like <laughs> I just because I always tell everybody, you know, like when when Trump first got elected and they were talking about his tweets and stuff, I was like, why are people so concerned? Like nobody's on Twitter like that. I was li- I lied to myself. It's fine. Um, or different demographics are honestly on different platforms too. Uh, yes, and so I just so sh- like or even when you think about like the Firefest, um, all of that, I didn't know anything about that until I watched the documentaries. So I, because I didn't understand, like, influencer culture, I didn't, under, like, I had no realm of what that was, and I I feel like, at least when I noticed, was around when those documentaries came out was kind of when I felt like there was this shift of, like, people don't want those curated images. I mean, those are still, you know, doing fine, but people also want this, like, this is your authentic self, this is, like, your fun self, you know what I mean? Um, and I think, like, you're seeing, I, I think at least we're seeing a lot more of that, it, at least when it comes to someone's, like, personal entity. Like, something yeah, like, I mean, yeah, um, does that make sense? I think definitely. And I think about, to give a real-world example of how even now we have the, kind of the joke, Instagram versus reality. And if people having that swipe feature, that beautiful photo, and then kind of, the, you know, crazy smile or the goofiness. And people, even if they're not a personal brand, have that recognition of how they're perceived and that perfectionist versus authentic. Yes, exactly. Because, like, I would never think about necessarily, like, posting, like, the most perfect or the most, you know what I mean? Um, on like, But I think people kind of want that now in terms of, like, they want something that's a little more authentic, more, like, natural-facing and now like on like your personal pages or your personal Instagram but like your business Instagrams or like your photography like those are meant to be polished like we kind of expect those because it's running a business or a brand or some type of content people I would argue are still asking for that from professionals like from businesses to show the human side and like especially like a lot of photographers being entrepreneurs of like, yes, perfect images, but then they share on their stories what the day looked like or if they had someone cancel and, you know, that 
promise. Yeah, people people want to be connected, not necessarily just to like the work. Not just to yeah, and not just to consume the beauty, but to also connect. And I think like beyond. I mean, I love Beyonce, and the listeners know that because I talk about her on a regular basis. But she and her. Um, in her latest uh, cover story in Bazaar, like, she was talking about how she doesn't feel the need to, like, be so... have people so in her life and on social media and, like, telling all of your business. And she's like, you only see what I want you to see. And I think that's true for everybody. Like, you know, we only put... You only know us as much as we allow to share. But I think something different with her is that she grew up in a time where she became who she is without the loomingness of social media and the demand of like to know every single part of your life in that way and social media we didn't have social media so we didn't Her have access on without, yes even if she actually didn't have an instagram she would nothing. she'd be fine yeah because like she will go forever without posting you know what i mean so i want but i'm like um i think about the idea that if other people did that i don't think everyone can get away with that is what i'm saying I think there's very, like, Beyonce is Beyonce, but I don't know, especially now coming up, if you could necessarily get away with not having some type of your personality and life, like, on social media, if that makes sense. So people can really connect with you, quote-unquote. Right. So in addition to um, the image consulting, I also do um, creative consulting and social media work with clients, entrepreneurs, um, to help them curate their image. And so it's fun that I can do both personal and brand work. But um, even the small companies I work for that are even in kind of more traditional industries that haven't really adopted social, they are thriving so much more when they tap into it and they're Mm -hmm. finally jumping on the bandwagon because their audience that's where they're consuming messaging and so you have to meet them where they're at and I think yeah I think it's I think some companies are doing it very well and some are some are not cringe worthy can we say they're trying Um, real hard they're trying real hard to kind of like get that's a blurry photo is that stop what why do you say stop I see the logo that's not how that works oh I wish they're like their niece or something would tell them well that's the thing it's like you they I think they forget that you know you can you can't just create the page you have to and which is something like I yeah which something I'm you know horrible at I can create the content but Um, I will say your recent stuff I've been loving the color flow and you are working on it and I see I'm trying to be a person I have too many friends cough cough like yelling at me to do better and Especially my friend Corey, who I know will listen. She'll be like, Natalia, you do need to do better. But um, just trying. We're all a work in progress. We are all a work in progress. But, yeah, I think, I mean, the, the, the path that social media plays is, like, so huge. And it's hard just to, like, convince someone that you're good anymore just on you being good. Mm-hmm. Versus, because, right. like, good now equates to, like, numbers and interactions versus, like, okay like yeah but is that person actually like a good person are they good at what they do they just or have a lot of are followers they even a successful business person when they might have a, an extensive followers whether they bought it or have a natural audience but that doesn't necessarily at the bottom line that their business is as successful as someone that has less than you know ten thousand. exactly exactly like, we don't know what that looks like and i feel like especially with social and if i could like give anyone listening to this some real insight is it is smoke and mirrors you can use it and you can use it well and be intentional and have real results but you can also it's all about perception and yeah that's that's been so interesting to see across many industries especially working with bloggers um, friends of mine and then from a business perspective yeah, it's been, can you talk about that more? Like, because you've been doing this, you've been doing, well, the fashion cookbook for like 10 years. And in those 10 years, I mean, a lot has, like, I remember when in high school, when everyone was getting like a Twitter and that it was still like, Twitter was still like this weird thing or get, I didn't get my Instagram until college. I got Snapchat my sophomore year and I still never really use it. But like, you know what I mean? Just so what was it like for you? Talk about the changes that you've 
seen over the past 10 years and as someone who's like young so it's like it was meant for right. you you know right, right. I, i've been way more involved it's been interesting the, the first thing that came to mind when you asked that was also this aspect of I have been blogging for 10 years. When you think about it, they, they kind of, I forgot what the saying is, but you're an expert in something once you've done like 10,000 hours. Yeah. And the reality is I've definitely done that. And oh, I yeah. I teach someone to do blogging any day of the week. But I often feel like a, a sham because I don't have a following to convey I'm a well-known blogger because I don't have the magic number. Um, and so it's interesting because I even look at the relationship between blogger and Instagrammer and it, you know, you have essentially Instagram is a micro blog. You have micro moments of creating content. Whereas I'm doing like a full story on a blog post. I'm also writing. And like, that's a forgotten piece. I think about content creation is it's not just beautiful. Most oftentimes Photoshopped images. It's also thoughts and what you're putting behind it. And so sometimes I have to remind myself and kind of put myself in check of, I might not have the following, but am I proud of the content? And did I impact in some way, like what I'm creating, has that resonated with at least one follower? And then mm-hmm. that is a success and kind of being able to um, rethink about it that way. And then to be involved with it as much as I have, I it's been interesting too, again, speaking on that relationship, I've had friends that started their Instagram, not even a blog, their Instagram much like two years ago and have maybe triple the followers. But there's so many things that go into that. It's not just an algorithm and like who you know, but it's also time dedicated. And while I do this full time, like my priority is also in the service I'm providing people. And so like, it's like I create, I create the blog content, I'm doing services and then have to be my own marketer, creating content or at least, um, creating and like editing content to fit a social and like that's hours and hours and we all it's everyone has a different story that's what I try to remind myself it's a lot of work and like mental gymnastics words are very difficult apparently (laughs) mental gymnastics yes (laughs) to hop over and get through because it's like I don't think it's something so personal too yes like I think about it and I definitely recognize a level of perfectionist um, in me because I am so visual that I'll even, I have to like stop myself and I'm like, well, you're not even producing anything because I'm almost, what is the feed perfectly colored flow and does that fit in that? And I'm looking at the greater composition and I can also just like stop and go, so many blog posts, I'll take incredible photos, but I'll get so tripped up of, did my wording that was that like is, is that beautiful was that helpful am I a strong writer and it's like sometimes it's just like um what's the saying um perfect is the enemy of the good we won't even start mm. by holding ourselves back from that fear of you know being good enough and I think that applies in so many ways and I mean that makes me think about like when I'm to touch upon like the styling work that I do it's it's so funny that we can't always apply it to our own selves, but like helping women be able to push past that and to like put themselves out there more boldly and more mm-hmm. vulnerably. It's true. Cause I, I guess, do you have like a lot of like powerful women that kind of come in? They're like, I do all these cool things, but like, I don't know how to present myself in a way that's shows that I do all these cool things. Yeah. In both ways. So immediately I think of how I got, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs with their social and they're afraid of how they come across or, Oh, how would I even show that? And there's that learning curve, but then there's also that, Oh, who would want to think, you know, who'd want to know that even it's like, "Ah, stop right there. Like you are, this could resonate with so many people. Um, and then that often happens too, with like more of the image consulting from like the personal style as you have these incredible women, a lot of people I know, I work with a lot of friends and family, and then people are greater I know from that, or I get to know these people on a deep level when I do this really powerful, connected work. And I'm meeting people of such different backgrounds with such amazing hearts, and they're afraid of how they're perceived. They don't even share their talents. Mm. And so like, I especially see that with people, you know, it's fairly connected of, 
um, people I'm styling while also trying to help them with their larger social image of you're doing awesome work and it's like let's find ways that you can feel as beautiful I want them to see that they're as beautiful as I see them when they often forget that and that goes across both social and like more of the styling I do what has been I guess one of the most difficult bits of going I guess from like blogging to image consulting because that was probably like a whole nother beast that you maybe weren't necessarily prepared for right away yeah well it's interesting because blogging I might get involved with others when I'm doing a larger style shoot or working with a brand but a lot of it is me and that's solely my work and um there's not always like that I mean it's collaborative but it's really it falls on me and then the, the image consulting I do is I'm meeting someone and like instantly being pulled through trust but into their like their world and um especially if I don't have I mean I always try to you know build a rapport but I might not know them and to really help them tap into their largest strength Mm -hmm. um that has been really really both interesting and for me just such a level of growth and that's like for me why I do it do you feel like sometimes you don't take your own advice when what you're doing is literally supposed to be taking your own advice yes yes I have to laugh because it's like embarrassing but here I am fashion blogger known within my community as a fashion blogger on the internet and then there are times where I don't even dress well (laughs) and then and not even like or even right now I don't I actually in my current wardrobe I do not feel that inspired and so I have to kind of step aside I'm starting to do that right now but I still battle that of like (sighs) or you know I'm human and the work that I'm doing to impact others, I have to apply to myself, but it's it's really difficult. I can imagine because I think I I actually um, interviewed an, a, like a fashion designer. She just graduated from Parsons, um, and she's she's the sister of a, of a coworker. And I was asking her, I was like, you know, I feel like whenever you see fashion designers, they're always like in black. You know, is that for a reason? Like, do they not like to dress themselves? You know, like, because that's what I think. When I think of, like, a, a fashion, I think, like, just black and, like, not very drag. Yeah, very minimal. Because it's just, like, is it because you put all your energy into the people, this clothes, the style, that you have nothing left for yourself? <laughs> that's what I, that's what I wonder, because I, I feel like if I was a stylist, it'd be... I can see what looks good on others, but then I feel like, oh, I guess I'll just throw on t-shirts today. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to do anything too crazy. And I think the interesting thing for my own relationship with fashion is I tap into much like my love of acting, so many different characters, so many different looks. And sometimes I feel like I don't show all of that on social because I, I like, well, it's interesting because it's also my, my blog and what often my so, like my social media presence is for a, demo, a younger demographic millennial talking to my cohorts but my like marketing is to be someone a little bit older more established in their career and I almost like think about I, I stop myself from just dressing more casual and more streetwear which is like my real love as well as I love love, love more of like bohemian and things like that but that duality I sometimes don't show and that's like a a recent reminder of that's what I share to my clients and I'm not applying it like what yes all the time maybe have to be more accountable so thank you for that you're welcome that's what I'm here for part podcast host part therapist part yeah Yeah, all the parts (laughs) 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 I'm just being silly um so with the fashion with the fashion cookbook, is there something that like you wish more people saw of or you know, along lines of what we were just talking about, is there wish do you wish you put more of something into it that you want to incorporate more? I'm at a place where I'm trying to understand the balance between the like the brand work that I do mm-hmm. and speaking to the personal and being able to find the you know, cohesive storytelling between the two legs of the business and how to be cohesive. Um, that's been like really holding me back. Um, 
the fashion cookbook has been so pivotal for my self-growth and my self-confidence. And the next stage of it is I want to use it as a platform to help others. And so where I see it going or where I see that absence where I really want to add more of is sharing other women's stories. So not only having a a very powerful before and after of styling someone, but also sharing like what was going on in their life and having really more of a think piece and having powerful content that really resonates with people. And it's not just, that was a beautiful photo, love that outfit girl, but oh my gosh, someone else is going through that? Someone else feels like a failure out of college when they're floundering and doesn't know? And how do I, you know, not only did I help them with a new wardrobe for their interviews um, to try to get the next job, but we also talked about human strength. (laughs) Like that's what I want to add. more into my content now I want to pivot just like a little bit just to kind of talk about because I because you had mentioned earlier you know like you don't just do the fashion cookbook full-time you also have full-time jobs you know that pay the bills on time (laughs) so exactly so can you like run me through you know what have you been doing I don't want to say on the side but like on the side to like you know what's your full nine to five Yeah, so um, as of recently, I'm the director of sales and marketing for a company called Liquid Riot, which is um, a brewery, distillery, and restaurant in Portland, Maine, um, which has been awesome because it combines my love of food and drink, and I get to style and be creative, and I mean, the fashion cookbook, yes, is fashion, but you'll notice pretty quick, I also am always entertaining and involving food in some capacity, too. So that has been a really awesome new full-time capacity. And, yeah, that's what I'm doing right now. Um, And did you feel like the work you had done with, like, the fashion cookbook really helped influence you to kind of get that job? Yes, and I'll tell you why. They – that, honestly, the fashion cookbook, it was so interesting. So during the actual interview – I definitely talked about past marketing positions and what I was capable of and, you know, my sales performance and all of those KPIs, but more than anything what stood out and getting the feedback after becoming in the role was that I gave examples more often than not of things I had done through Fashion Cookbook to show that I was prepared for the role. And I didn't really do that on purpose so much as that that, that felt more powerful examples Mm -hmm. so it's been interesting that even in my own career I might not always be making the money that I'd like to um to be quote-unquote successful are any of us no I know but right that could be so we'll never get like we will not ever feel arrived is what I'll say yes I not you know it's actually helpful saying out loud right now because that was what got me the job was I was showing examples and these are things that no one forced me to do and it wasn't in a job that I mm-hmm. I just this was things that I wanted to learn more about that I wanted to push myself and that, that's the thing that I think is incredible about entrepreneurial and I really argue everyone can be entre- even if you're not a full-on business owner but tapping into that entrepreneurial mindset is you can always create something out of nothing did you I I, I was wondering if you felt this talking about the the fashion cookbook like I feel sometimes silly when I talk about, um, like, oh yeah, I can produce. I can be a podcast producer. I know how to interview. You like, are no, I know, but I feel silly because I'm like, <laughs> yeah. like you know, you. Would not be having the number of followers, the number of viewing, and all of that? It's you can right. feel like a little, but also because because I'm not this massive brand. Like for some reason, you know, like when I'm talking, oh, I do this on my own and for some reason that makes it less than like it feels like it's going to be less than so it can't really be used as a real example where you you have you run it all meaning you know all the different skill sets and the level of production that you're able to execute is incredible for one person but like like, do you feel sometimes when you're talking about the fashion or at least in the beginning did you feel like when you were trying to like bring this up like oh I have the experience and you're talking about this thing that's like not internationally known did you feel kind of silly I definitely felt that I would say it really pivoted like it shifted the last I want to say two years 
where I felt like no one could take this away from me. This is really impressive and this stands alone. Cause that's, cause that's really hard to do. And I'm just starting myself to like, be like, no, I do like a real thing. Like I make this, I book the talent, I edit, yes. I research, like, and I market it. it <laughs> trying to get better at that. But like all of those, but you still do it. I still do it, you know, but all of those things, like for the longest time, like I would feel silly to say, like list that on a resume or like apply for a job that may be more geared towards that because it's like oh what I do isn't real like you know (laughs) and I feel like a lot of people feel that honestly time helps everything so like for me having said that I've done it 10 years like that even thinking back to me of like wow that actually is an expert on something like that helps and then once you start to do projects that you feel really are proud like I remember I had a recent moment in the last couple of years, I should say, when I started to create the content that I had, like, cut out images from magazines or from other bloggers and put up on my wall. And when I had mm-hmm. that recognition of, I might not be famous, quote unquote, but I'm creating at a level that I always dreamed of, that was that was a wonderful moment. And that was a real shift. That's, that's really important to acknowledge. Like, I think to the wider public but also into yourself like what you've been able to accomplish on your own without a a team a backing or whatever is is really truly amazing because like y'all if you ever which you all should look at her instagram and facebook and just like the beauty because i remember when i started i think maybe it was like junior year of college when i started like together yeah and that's when you were like yeah I do this thing and then I started and I was like oh this is this is like a thing thing um because oh, yeah. <laughs> you know that's some so people like I do things yes. <laughs> so I so looking at it it's like oh this is like beautiful like this looks professional this looks like a like a professional has done it and I think like there's something because like when something looks it just looks it obviously it looks better but it I feel like it gives um what is the word? What is the word that I'm looking for? Credit? Someone, kudos? Yeah. Kind of to... Um, or authority? Uh, yes. Thank you. Thank you. There we go. Authority to kind of the work that you're doing and that you can say like, hey, no, I really do do this thing and I do it well and look how great it turned out. And um, and that's you doing that on your own, which is kind of amazing. Yeah. I mean, it has been collaborative where if I have a larger vision I'll bring people together I'll work with excuse me outside photographers but for the most part it has been me the entire time and I've had to learn so many different skill sets through it like I I think back to something you just said of wow and it's just me it's like actually that's actually really powerful like I learned to become a photographer I learned to become a marketer I learned to become a writer through this platform um school helped but that (laughs) you know like I really learned that like this has been the greatest assignment I've ever been given and I mean you're sailing through sailing through it's amazing (laughs) yeah I really get tripped up on number of followers but as I said before and I try to remind myself if I have made someone feel impacted empowered or even in my writing, because I don't consider myself a writer, but if I've resonated one of my messages or I've been candid and that helps someone feel less alone, then that's the success. Where So where do you want the fashion cookbook to go? I know you talked about, you know, having women tell their stories, which, of course, I'm very biased. I love that idea because, okay. hello, that's yeah, what that's I do here. That's more of a content director, uh, <laughs> like full-on business, like mm-hmm. that stuff. I would love it to okay I would love to have the blog be its own lifestyle brand and platform um, and media company as well as I would I want to be doing more with the styling that I'm doing for brands and really Mm -hmm. have that synergy Um, and then honestly I'd love to at some point I mean my brain goes in many different directions but even having Um, like a line of clothing and I think about the fashion cookbook I want fashion to be accessible but I also want it to be beautiful at the same time Um, 
they don't always have to contradict one another, but having a shopping experience, for instance, where it's like curated like a kitchen and someone's coming in and they can go into the physical beautiful pantry and pull out what I've dedicated that week as, you know, core pieces. Mm -hmm. I think that would be an incredible way to make what my, my like creative dreams tangible and like a physical manifestation of like what I'm creating content, but sharing that process with my followers and my readers. I think that'd be really cool to make it its own full, full yes. house service. I have to share too. One of the things that I'm working on right now that might be the biggest pivot I think I've ever done in the fashion cookbook is I want to not, I will always do personal styling for people, but I want to become a much bigger styling company where I work with um, groups of women that don't have access to these tool sets and I'm raising money and I'm getting corporate sponsorship and I want to do, so what I learned so much from fashion blogging was I gained confidence in front of being a ca- in front of the camera through picking out a great outfit, having access to that. I would love to offer that experience to someone who will never get that normally. Mm-hmm. And so that means raising money for their budget for their pieces that will go and shop for them I'll have a studio in my space um I'm thinking like watch style really beautiful really welcoming and having a professional makeup artist and hairstylist work with me having photographers and having people I love the idea of you know quote unquote because no one's actually ordinary we're all incredible extraordinary humans but people that don't feel special to feel like a model or to feel like they are seen in a way that they've never felt seen before and so that's really the catalyst of where I'm trying to really put a manifest of how I can scale that and um, help as many women as possible where often I mean think about it fashion it costs money to wear clothes and to wear nice clothes or you know even just basic clothes that aren't even expensive but just it takes money and we don't always have that especially people from such different backgrounds Mm -hmm. and so like my biggest takeaway is I want to empower people um and take away that um that barrier to entry yeah I 100% agree because I think that is the the most difficult thing because we both work in areas where like presentation matters and Mm -hmm. I think there is kind of a shift now to understanding that like presentable can look like a lot of different things um But it is expensive. Also, like, body size and accessibility to clothing and good clothing. And I think, especially coming out of this pandemic, like, I was thinking, I was like, once we all have to go back to work and, you know, people are very concerned about gaining weight and, like, and all of that. um, And it's like, how am I going to find clothes? How am I going to, you know, make myself comfortable? That's the thing that comes up all the time is, like, especially with the weight aspect, is people are like, ugh, I'll go shopping when I've lost this weight. And it's yeah, like, which is... You need to feel incredible, right, at this very moment. And I'm not saying that you can't continue on your weight loss journey or, like, working out for you, but you still need a, a wardrobe that fits your current body type that you feel awesome in. And, like, yes. that has been... Especially for what I think is so... Yeah, we're getting so much better in fashion, but, like, where we still need to put up a lot of attention is, like representation and like access yes like that. I know <laughs> I know we have like health at any size but I also want like beauty at any size yeah that's like yes. the big for me that's like a big thing because like you should be able to shop and find clothes and and it's so it's so difficult to just like find nice work clothes or something that doesn't cost an astronomical amount of money but then like the complete opposite this is this is something I hear a lot in like plus size community idea of like shaming larger people fat people for buying fast fashion when a lot of times it's the only places that will yeah will cater to them in those in those trendy clothes and so like I give a lot of grace to people in like my size range and up because it's like I get it it's hard to find things and those are the ones that usually have things in your size as much as I hate fast fashion so like it's this all you know it's this all encompassing and thing so I would like I would love you know what you're talking about I love that to to go beyond of, of people of all shapes and sizes being able I mean, to I style honestly like I never thought of myself wanting to be a designer I mean I love styling the pieces but I started working with larger women and they had given the feedback that 
like as of right now, there was a store that they could, that was their first store ever buying something in person. They'd only been able to shop online for that, their size. And I'm like, that's, there's so many women. <laughs> like, that's an, yes. like, an, like, no. And some, <laughs> some places, you know, are starting to offer extended sizes, but it's till but 22 it's and it's not even, really yeah. Being honest, like. It's like the checking a mark rather than having it truly be inclusive in messaging. And that's like, I mean, I feel like big brands recently have come under fire because that's the first thing to go. Like, I think, yes. I think about, and I'm, I will name drop, but during the pandemic when like Ann Taylor, that company. Yeah, I was just about to say. Mm-hmm. I was. And like, the way that it was also, and my thing too is like, that's not that's not even possible that that was the number one choice of how they would make their money back of like cutting that like that was a bullshit response and then also how we talk about it like that's it yes no I completely agree it was because that was the only brand for a long time where I'm like oh I can get stuff any anytime you know and it's I know that I'm not I'm like a like a mid a mid a mid fat or small fat like you know I'm not even at the larger end and I remember like looking at I'm like oh great this is like a place I can like buy clothes all the time you know like that's what got me to get my loft credit card just have access and clothes that I like and that I can wear to work and wear out or whatever and then you getting rid of that also I used to work for White House Black Market they got rid of their plus size line as well they got rid of that like a year or two ago but like that was another brand that you know was higher end nicer um that had plus size closing, but then they got rid of it. And it's always like, well, we weren't seeing people da 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 buy, but it's like, it takes a we long time. Marketing cater proper, sorry, my background's in marketing. That's what I do also <laughs> full time. And it's like, no, you could have done a better marketing strategy to talk to your target already, target audience. Yes. And market that you have and make it so people, cause here's the thing I will say, I think, <clears throat> sorry, women across the board is like, can we trust that brand? Can we trust how they size? Can we trust how they do X, Y, and Z? And something I've been seeing on, like, TikTok lately is, so Old Navy just extended their sizes to 30. This is, like, a big deal. Although 30 is still only allowed on, only sold online. But the rest of the sizes are all sold in store. And so one content creator, she, like, went to Old Navy and she was, like, trying on clothes. And she was literally trying on different clothes in the same size and some would fit and some wouldn't. And talking about, like, I got these two two same pair of shorts, same size, one fits and one doesn't. And it's like, we have to be able to trust you, trust mm-hmm. your brand is going to make the sizing consistent. And that's something I see a lot is, oh, like, the size consistency. Like, yeah, oh, my gosh. That's, like, there was a moment where I was working, I mean, for anthropology, and, like, the, the consistency was not there. And that makes it also just so hard to style someone. And then you think about it too, how often do you get, if you're not, let's say you don't have one plus your house, you order it online, it doesn't fit, even though you think you got the right one according to the size chart and what you normally wear, you return it, it comes back, happens a second time, you're more likely than not, not gonna do it a third time. And then you feel, and then what is unfortunate is women personalize it. They don't go, oh, the brand. And that's what I always try to say is it's not, I say that actually constantly when I'm doing image consulting um, and we're in the, um, the the changing room together. It's like, let's not get angry at you. This is the brand. This is a piece of clothing. This piece of fabric that we're putting on you did not work, but you are inherently awesome. We'll just find a different piece. And like, yeah. shame on that piece of clothing, not you, darling. <laughs> So, like, seeing stuff like that, I think, for growing your business would be really amazing just to, you know, how do we make recipes for beauty at any size? You know, how do we how do we do that? Like, another thing, too, with creating content as I involve more people is, like, representation. And it's not just about um, body size and ethnicity. It's also, like, even disability. Mm-hmm. And, like, I feel like that's an entire audience of Ugh, there's so much of just representation. Um, and that's something I completely agree. Cause that's something like I am woefully uneducated about. And I do, um, I did just interview someone who's going to be on the podcast and she's like a big disability 
advocate um, and she's a black woman and like the intersectionalities of that and I've been following her for a couple of years and like so I was so jazzed Send when she hmm? Send me her profile oh 100% um, but so her name's Imani she's gonna be on this season and just knowing that like I was like I want to know because I don't know like I I follow you like I love all the stuff that you talk about but I you know that's like an area that I'm so woefully disconnected from because I don't have any visible disabilities I don't you know have any ailment like you know what I mean and so like and I think just having kind of the focus on like you said not just diversity being ethnicity but like also the intersectionalities of of different types of folks is something obviously that I definitely want to highlight on the podcast but like I think we need to be seeing we need to see it in media and yeah. like napkin is media yes, yes it is an entire clothing and like like consumable product but it's media yes as well. 100% um, we're coming to the end of our time oh my gosh uh, I so I know <laughs> So um, but the last question I ask all my guests is how do you define being a woman or womanhood? Oh, how was I not prepared for that one? No one ever is. And they all know it's coming. Yes, I know. Um, I, I mean, I identify with, even if not like womanhood around like actual parts but of like the divine feminine of like softness and being strong at the same time um beauty I really resonate with womanhood um also community like I think that that's a big part of what makes us women of how we connect and how we're more tribal of wanting the whole group to thrive and that's something that is very integral to like the work that I do with women Mm -hmm. for styling I love that. I love the tribe oh, aspect. Oh, that really better than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> um, Hannah, what a joy. What a treat. Thank you so much. Y'all, you don't understand how long we've been trying to get this together. <laughs> so, well, thank you for your patience. Yes, I am. Thank you for your patience, my end, because I know it's not just all you. I know I'm in there. Um, so thank you so much, Hannah, like, seriously, for coming on. I'm so excited. So jazz for all that's coming for the fashion cookbook um is there anything that you want to give a shout out to give kudos to before we head out yeah um and i trust me i say this not because i want to gain followers as a number but i'd love if people would check out the fashion cookbook and just reach out if you have questions my thing is i have an open book and i want to be a tool set to people it's not just oh, follow me, and then I get to work with brands. It's, no, I get to interact, and I get to help women every day. And even in a subtlety of someone asking, where did you buy that? Or, you know, why did you choose to wear that? Or, oh, you struggle with mental health. Whatever it is of that commonality, I just, that's so impactful for me. So, yeah, check me out, or just reach out if you have any questions. Um, Her socials will be linked in the show notes per usual, friends. Um, but Hannah, again, thank you so much for joining me. Um, so great. Um, and to the listeners, thank you again for listening. Um, if you'd like to connect with the show and please do go ahead and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at pretty face lady three, and then go ahead and write, uh, follow us on Facebook at more than a pretty face. Um, if you'd like to interact with me, um, want to say hi, want to come on the show, know someone who'd like to come on the show, please email me at prettyfacewomen at mtapfpodcast.com. Um, and also, please, please, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And talk to you soon.